Well, good morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. We'll be in verses 1 through 3 of Hebrews chapter 11 this morning as we continue our study of the book of Hebrews. Now, as a father of five children, I have had to deal with my fair share of minor injuries. It seems as though when a child is between the ages of two and four, it is a daily routine to fall off the couch or to slip on the hem of a dress or to tumble down a stair or two. And when you're young, it's difficult to deal with the pain of such accidents. When you're young, your little body is hurt and you don't know how long this pain is going to last. And so, as countless parents before me have done, when one of my little ones are hurt, I scoop them up as they cry and I comfort them with the promise, it is going to be all right. It will stop hurting soon. It's a difficult skill to learn, to transcend the moment, and to live in light of a reality that you are not currently experiencing. When you stub your toe, or you hit your funny bone, or you step on a Lego and bare feet, your whole experience in that moment is pain. However, as you grow older, you are able to move forward because you know that soon enough, that pain you are experiencing in the moment will be gone. Yet what are we to do when the hardships we encounter go beyond the momentary? When the sickness lasts for days or for weeks or the pain is chronic? When the relational tension just continues for years? When the fear and anxiety never seem to pass? What are we to do when the diagnosis is terminal? How can we transcend the moment when the moments of pain become the overarching experience of our lives? This morning we begin Hebrews chapter 11. It's one of the most well-known passages in the book of Hebrews and all of Scripture, and it's often described as the hall of faith. It begins with a brief definition of faith and then proceeds to offer up example after example of what it means to live by faith. These examples begin all the way back with Abel and proceeds through Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, Moses' parents and Moses himself and more. And in each instance, the example given is of someone who had to trust the promise of God to transcend their present painful experience. They had to believe that despite what they saw with their eyes, what they heard from God is what was true. And this is the true nature of faith. It is the grace to transcend the cage of our present experience, to live in the freedom of God's truth. The grace to see with the eyes of faith what is not currently visible to the eyes of flesh. You see, our understanding of the world is extremely limited. We can only see what is right before us. But the truth is that there is so much more than what it is that we experience and what we see. There are realities in the past that we cannot know. There are realities in the future that we cannot predict. However, God is not limited as we are. 
He is not bound by time or by lack of knowledge. He sees all and he knows all. And in his word, he is telling us what we need to know. He is telling us what we could not know otherwise. He's like a father who is taking his hurting child in his arms and telling them, I know that it hurts now. I know that you do not understand now. But trust me, the pain will soon come to an end. Even as we read in Psalm 30, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And this is the nature of faith. It is holding what is not present. It is receiving what is promised. It is seeing what is presently unseen. And what we will learn in our passage for this morning is that if we would transcend the pain and the brokenness of this present world, we must look to the Lord Jesus Christ and in faith believe His Word. So hear now the Word of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father God, we call out to you that you would guide us by your word and spirit so that in your light we may see light and in your truth find freedom and in your will discover your peace to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now throughout the book of Hebrews, we have often returned to this idea of the already not yet. This concept helps us to understand that there are aspects of our salvation that we have already received and aspects that are yet to come. We have received full forgiveness in Christ, and yet we wait for the day of judgment when we will be openly acquitted and acknowledged before God. The Word of God says that we have been sanctified by the blood of Christ, and yet we still wait for that full freedom from sin's power. The Word of God says that we have been perfected in Christ, and yet we know that we remain a work in progress until the day of Christ's return. We have been drawn, the Word of God says, into the very presence of God through Jesus Christ, brought into the most holy of holies, and yet we still have a veil and we see in a mirror dimly. But there will be a day when we will finally see Him face to face. And it is into this reality that verse 1 of our passage speaks. Look down at verse 1 again. It says... Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, there are two parallel statements that help us to understand the true nature of faith here in verse 1. Faith is assurance and conviction. 
of things for which we hope, but we do not currently see. First, faith is assurance and conviction. Now that word assurance can give us the idea that faith is merely a feeling. However, the Greek word underlying assurance has much more of an objective meaning than what the word assurance might lead us to believe. The word means something along the lines of a foundation or of a substance. It is the down payment of a future payout. Faith, that is, is the means by which we take hold of something that has not yet appeared. How the not yet comes into the experience of the already. Second, we see that faith is aimed towards those things which are outside of our immediate experience. They are things that we hope for. They are things that we cannot see. Even as we read in Romans chapter 8, now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? This is the nature of faith. Faith is the instrument by which we are able to escape the narrow experiences of the present to live in light of the realities that are unseen. These unseen realities might have occurred in the past when we were not there. Like the creation of the world that we will look at in verse 3 or the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We weren't there when those things happened. We could not see them with our physical eye, but the Word of God tells us that they happened. And therefore, we take hold of those realities by believing the Word of God. But there are also things that are occurring presently that we cannot see. We've spoken of these things. Jesus Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning presently, that Jesus Christ is reigning over all of this world. We cannot see that with our physical eyes, but it is happening right now. And the way that we take hold of that truth, that unseen truth, is through the instrument of faith. And there are things that will happen in the future beyond our ability to perceive now. That there is a day in which Christ will return and He will raise our bodies from their graves and reunite us with our souls and He will bring all of His own into a new heaven and a new earth. And it is by faith that we come to see that which is beyond our ability to see. It is by faith that we take hold of what will be. And once we begin to believe, we see. Once we have faith, we not only know we will be forgiven, but we are forgiven. We not only know that we will have eternal joy, but we begin to experience that eternal joy. We not only know that we will see God face to face, but we begin to see and experience God presently in the face of Jesus Christ. For by faith, we take hold of what God has promised in His Word. You see, the Word of God teaches us that the Holy Spirit is the deposit of the inheritance that is to come. And it is by faith that we receive this deposit we hear the promise, believe, and the Holy Spirit then brings to us a taste of the blessings that are to come 
so that we not only think that we have been saved, but we take hold of salvation itself. We not only think that we will know God at some point, but we receive the Spirit of God into our hearts and we know Him. We not only feel as though we will come into His kingdom, but we now presently hold citizenship in the kingdom of heaven awaiting our Savior. You see, faith means we take hold of what is coming. Next, Faith means we receive God's approval. Look down at verse 2 of our text. There we read, For by it the people of old received their commendation. A few things to point out from this verse. First, we see that it, in verse 2, is referring to faith, right? For by faith the people of old received their commendation. Faith is what is active in this verse. Second, the author is introducing what will come throughout chapter 11, this anthology of Old Testament saints, the people of old, right? He he is letting us know he's going to go into this anthology of examples of people from the Old Testament who live by faith. And third, it is by their faith that they receive their commendation. It is this word that we need to take some time to understand. The underlying Greek word here is the same word from which we receive the word martyr. And it is translated witness or testimony elsewhere. One who holds the witness of the truth. In this verse, commendation means that we have been attested to by God himself. That those who have faith gain the approval of God, and they will receive a public witness of their righteousness through faith. The examples that follow are men and women who were declared by God's witness to receive His approval. Yet it wasn't by their works that they gained this approval. It wasn't by their power. Rather, it was by faith that they received God's commendation. It was by faith that they came into this right and approving relationship with God. And this is what we learn about the true nature of faith. Faith is that means, that instrument through which we receive God's approval. It is through faith that we are received into the family of God and given a right to all the promised blessings in Jesus Christ. A few weeks ago, we celebrated Reformation Sunday. And one of the central doctrines of the Reformation is justification by faith alone. This word, justification, means to be declared righteous by God. You can think of a courtroom. And after hearing all the evidence, a judge can either condemn or justify. To condemn means to declare guilty. To justify is to declare innocent. And in the courtroom of your eternal destiny, you want the judge of all the earth to declare that you are not guilty. You want to be justified. But how would you be justified? How would you win the approval of God? How is God's commendation received? 
In Romans 3, we read, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. You see, there is no work that we can do. There is no price that we can pay. The only means by which we might be saved is faith in the work of Jesus Christ alone. We have to look outside of ourselves for salvation and believe that God saves us through Jesus Christ. That our commendation, that our approval, that our justification is not one through our works, but is one through our faith in the promises of God. This is how the people of the Old Testament received their commendation. And this is how we receive our commendation. Not by works, but by looking to what Jesus Christ has accomplished and trusting that what God has said is true. Because it takes faith to look at our lives and see our continuing struggle with sin, but to look to Christ and see forgiveness. It takes faith because we look at our emotions and we see fear and anxiety and anger and jealousy and hatred. But we look to Christ and we see joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. It takes faith because we look at our bodies and we see disease and age and weakness and death. But we look to Christ and we see resurrection and life. It takes faith because we look at the world around us. And we see war and suffering and frustration and pain. But we look to Christ and we see the coming kingdom of everlasting blessing. You see, the only means by which we might receive the commendation of God is through faith. Not as a work. Not as an offering, but rather as an act of submission to the promise of God's word and what he has accomplished for us in Jesus Christ. Faith is the negation of self-salvation in favor of Christ's salvation. As the hymn so poetically declares, Upon a life I have not lived, upon a death I did not die, another's life, another's death. I stake my whole eternity. And such turning from self is pleasing to God and receives his commendation because it gives him all the glory. For in Christ alone we are saved. In 1952, Norman Vincent Peale published the self-help book, The Power of Positive Thinking. And in this book, Peel teaches his audience that they can overcome obstacles and hardships in life through various techniques and prayers. As the title suggests, if you think positively, you can manifest your positive thoughts in this world. If you want to be a successful businessman, then you need to tell yourself that you're a successful businessman. Write it on a card. Say it to yourself in a mirror over and over and over again. Dress like a successful businessman would dress, and you will eventually become a successful businessman. And this advice continues to get propagated through various forms of self-help material throughout the world. Visualizing your success, following your dreams, being confident that you can do whatever you set your mind to achieve. All you have to do is have faith. This idea has found its way into the church as well. There are different manifestations, but we can think of movements like name it and claim it. 
teachings like the Word of Faith Ministries. These teachings tell us that we can tap into the power of faith and manifest a better reality through the words that we speak and the thoughts that we think. We say the right words, and then we bring into existence by our words what we desire. And that's what faith is. But this is to miss the reality of what true faith is. The power of faith is not what we speak, not what we think, but rather the power of faith is what God speaks. It is what God wills. Faith is not believing into existence some better future that we might imagine. Rather, it is embracing the reality of what God has ordained and is bringing into existence through His Word. Look at verse 3 of our text. There we read, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. You see, it is by faith that we take hold of what is promised. It is by faith that we receive God's commendation. And finally, it is by faith that we see what is yet invisible. Here in verse 3, what we learn is that it is by the power of His Word that God brought this whole world into existence. We are not able to create out of nothing. Our words do not bring into existence things that are not. But God, by the power of His Word, speaks and the world was created by His Word. And no matter what Norman Vincent Peale or Kenneth Copeland say, you don't have the power to create the future out of your positive thinking and words. That is not the nature of faith. Rather, the nature of faith is believing God's powerful word. It is believing that what he says is true. Our future is not what we want it to be. Our future is what God wants it to be. And faith looks to the word of God and trusts that what he says is true. And not only is it true, but it is the very power that will bring it into existence. Look at this creation. Look at this world around you. It was by God's word that your entire reality has come into existence. Everything you experience in this world came about because God spoke it into being. Will he not also, by the power of his word, bring about what he has promised to us in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that, Christian? Are you willing to not be the captain of your own destiny? Are you willing to submit to God totally and completely and by faith believe what he has spoken will come to pass? Because it takes faith to see what remains unseen. It takes faith to take hold of what is yet to come. It takes faith to look past yourself and trust in Christ for your salvation. It takes faith to abandon your ability to build for yourself a better future and to embrace the better future that God has prepared for you. And to know that though you presently do not see, one day, God's truth will surely come to pass. 
When I was in high school, I took a few of my Georgia friends out to Washington State to climb Mount St. Helens. Not as impressive as it would have been before 1980 because it blew a lot of itself apart, but still we went out and it was supposed to be a day trip up to the top of the summit. But an unseasonal snowstorm made it a much more difficult two-day adventure trekking across snow. But we were young and ready for the challenge. After suffering through a night of extreme cold, we woke before sunrise and started trekking up the side of this mountain. Now, as Mount St. Helens erupted back in 1980, if you remember, it did not only blow up upward, it blew up outward, out the side of the mountain. And what we did was we climbed up the other side, the, not, the side that had not collapsed. And after a few hours of constant climbing, we finally made it to the very precipice. The sun had risen by this time, and it was a crystal clear day. And as we stood on the ridge of this mountain, we looked down thousands of feet into this massive crater. And we could see for hundreds of miles how the eruption of Mount St. Helens had completely altered the landscape. And we could look around on this clear day and we could see the peaks of Mount Rainier and Mount Adams and Mount Hood. And I looked over at one of my friends and tears were streaming down his face. And he said, I never knew such beauty existed in this world. And three 18-year-old boys stood and gazed into glory. The pain of the climb, the worry of if we would make it, the strife had all passed away. It was as though time had ceased and we existed in the presence of the glory of God, overwhelmed and completely satisfied in the journey that had brought us there. And that experience of the overwhelming power of the glory of God expressed in his ministry shown to us in creation will seem mundane when we come to see the glory of God. As we read in 1 Corinthians 2, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Christian, you have been promised everything in Jesus Christ. You were in sin, bound for death and the pains of hell forever. And currently you experience loss and sorrow and pain. You experience all the miseries that are common to man. But because of God's love, he chose you for something better. And he sent his son to live a perfect life on your behalf. To die the atoning death that you deserve. To suffer the torments of hell and his soul on your behalf. And to rise from the dead on the third day. You have been promised that you have been forgiven your sin. You have been promised that you have been adopted into the family of God. You have been promised that you have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. There is a future of blessing that is offered to you that is beyond all imagination. 
It promises that one day when Christ returns, our bodies will be raised from their graves and united with our souls. That we will be ushered into the eternal city of God and there we will never again experience pain or sorrow or mourning or death. Rather, we will dwell in the very presence of God and enjoy His blessedness for all eternity. And the fullest joy of heaven will be the unencumbered enjoyment of God in the person of Jesus Christ. It will be looking into the face of Jesus Christ and seeing the fullness of God and realizing that the promises that He made to us now have finally come to pass and that our Heavenly Father spoke a true word that yes, the pain hurts now, but it will be over soon. That is what it means to have faith in this world. It is to receive what God has promised, to transcend the limited experience that we have now and to live in light of what God has done and will do for us in Jesus Christ. We all need to hear the voice of our Heavenly Father letting us know that what we see now is not all that there is. We need to experience the love of our Father telling us that though there is pain now, a day is coming when it will pass. Oh, Christian, do not trust your limited view of this world, but rather, in faith, take hold of Christ and His work. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you for the glimpses of glory that we receive in this world. Whether they be in nature, whether they be in the midst of your body as we sing your praise. These tastes of the glory that is to come. Oh, would you give to us that grace to take hold of these promises and believe your word. We pray this all in Christ's holy name. Amen.